I would like to welcome you to Web Church today. What an honor to come to you on this Sunday and bring the message of grace to you. I want to tell you this, the gospel of grace is that which will empower you to be like God. Amen. That's the gospel that will bring forth true joy, true peace, a happy family life and prosperity, health, everything you ever desired from God into your life because that is what God freely gave unto you. Now, many people think that we are a prosperity, health, wealth type of uh, um, ministry that just teaches about these things all the time. And man, thank God for that. Thank God that Jesus Christ came to bring us new life. He came to bring us the God kind of life. He came to bring us true joy and true peace. The only difference between Dynamic Love Ministries and uh, many other people that preach uh, prosperity and grace is that we say that this is not because of us. This is because of Jesus. And the top thing in the kingdom of God is not what you own, but who owns you. Hallelujah. It's not what you have, but who has you. It's not um, what you think of, but what God thinks of you. That's what we believe the focus is supposed to be, is Jesus. Amen. I also want to welcome everybody that is first time visitors to Dynamic Web Church. If this is the first time you ever visit this church, I want to say welcome You are so um, precious to God and to us. We want to see that you are established in the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. The vision of Dynamic Web Church is simply to bring people to an understanding of God's unconditional love for them. That they can know that they are loved of God, that they are approved of God, that God cares for them and that God thinks the best of them and that God has already changed their lives. It's more than just what God thinks about you. It is what God has done for you in Jesus and that you can believe that, be empowered by that and have the God life or the God kind of life in this world. And that's what we want to see. We want to see you established in the message of grace. We want to see you established in what Jesus has done for you and that will bring forth dignity and worth and life into your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, by this time, I'm sure there will be a lot of pictures on the, on the website. If not, it means that we didn't have broadband internet uh, in the area where we are going. But um, today, as I'm preaching here, uh, this is pre-recorded, I'm on my way back from Rustenburg and um, the, the crusade that we've held there. And I do believe that uh, you will be so interested in seeing what we've done there. So just... Uh, keep your eye on the website, um, under Crusade Reports, you will find what happened in this crusade. We will have some of the miracles there, we will have pictures there. I do believe that you will be impacted by what God has done amongst the lives of those that are poor, those that are struggling, those that's got HIV AIDS, that are in such desperate situations, that are in such a need for God. Amen. That is the a part of the vision of Dynamic Love Ministries. We want to see people establishing the grace of God. We want to preach to the lost. We want to preach to the rich. We want to preach to the poor. We want to preach to the foreign nations. We want to preach all over the world. And as I was thinking this morning when I got out of bed, I just said, Lord, um, you know, this whole thing of the television and the internet and all that was just in my mind. And I said, Lord, um, you know, why am I doing all these things? Because, you know, so many times God works in our hearts to just want to do something and you do it. And you might say, but Bertie, how can you ask such a question to God? And that's, but that's what I asked. I said, why are you doing all these things? It says, and this is what the Lord says, because I want to reach the world 
with a message of grace? Amen. Hallelujah. I do believe that Dynamic Web Church is going to be exactly as it's named. It's going to be dynamic um, through the web and will be a church and many people will be impacted through that. The lives of millions are going to impact us through this. And, this. and I want to just say this. The vision of Dynamic Ministries is not to build a ministry. The vision of Dynamic Web Church is not to see how big can we get Dynamic Web Church. And our um, advertising and what we do is not with the purpose of trying to get it as big as possible. That's not the vision. The vision is not building this church. The vision is building people. That's our vision. Everything we say, everything, the music we have on, even the way we will make our adverts, everything is, uh, is around or focused on getting you established in what God has done for you. So that you can feel precious, that you can feel loved, that you can feel that God cares for you, that you can come to an understanding of the cross, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And once you have come to that understanding, you will find that the fruit of understanding the message of grace is dignity and worth being built into your life. We start to walk as a person that um, uh, uh, holds his head up high and, and looks at God and feel the worth of God inside you. We will find the, the, the fruit of the message of grace, which is the fruit of righteousness. You become righteous. Because you become righteous, you'll start to bear fruit in your life because of the Word of God. You will start to see that fruit in your life. You'll find frustration leaving you. You'll find joy coming into your life. You'll find peace in, into your heart as you understand what Jesus has done for you. I do believe that through many years, the message of what we must do for God has robbed us from what God has freely given us. It has robbed us from our true identity. It has robbed us from what Jesus really wanted to give us. And I can even go this far to say it has robbed God from giving us what He wanted to give us. The message of the law. It robbed Adam from the, from the life that God gave him to live in this world. Amen. But I thank God for the last Adam called Jesus Christ that has restored it all for us. Amen. So, before I read a scripture as introduction, uh, as introduction to this this uh, service, I want to pray and just speak the blessing of God over you. Before I do, do that, I'm just reminded of this. I want to thank everybody that's already a member of Web Church, that you've invited people to be part of Web Church. You told people about the website. You told people about um, what we do here, the message of grace. Even if you didn't invite somebody, but you spoke to people about grace in this week that has passed, I want to say I am proud of what you've done. God is proud of what you've done. You've allowed God to work through you. Hallelujah. And I thank God that that is not done because it is demanded of you by me. You have done that because of the exceeding joy that's in your heart because you understand what God has freely given to you. Amen. Man, that is good news. So, let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching me right now on this broadcast. I thank you they are blessed, touched, cared for by you. That you are a God that loves them, cares for them, that floods them with your grace, compassion and love. And that you have changed their lives upon the cross. Thank you so much. And Father, as I speak on identity and the identity challenge, 
today. I thank you that people will understand. The eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. They will experience that they want to be part of this. That they will experience that this makes sense to them. And that life starts to flow out of them. And they can walk in the victory that you have already given us. My Father, in Jesus Christ. Thank you for using me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. Now, before we get into the worship, I'd like to read a scripture just to uh, explain to you how good God is. And when we worship, when we go into the worship, we go into uh, this worship with understanding of the goodness of God. Now, we're going to read from Psalm 119, around about there. I don't know what verse it is. This is in the message. Um, I think it can be... Man, can it be 132, round about there? It says, Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? Man, isn't that awesome? And that is just how God is. What He says is so empowering. It brings, it carries so much life and anointing that when He tells you something, He puts it in such a way that you cannot help but obey. You know, so many times when he, we hear the gospel and, or uh, uh, the message of the Bible or messages out of the Bible and when we read the Bible, it feels as if, you know, I must obey. This is what I must do. But the psalm writer writes here, he says, Every word you give me, every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? So what he says is, is that the word that God speaks is a miracle in itself because it brings forth obedience out of my heart. And so many times you might be struggling to obey God and and the reason why you struggle is because you don't hear the miracle word. You hear a word or the letter of the word. And what I call the letter of the word is just um, simply what what is written. That you can hear just the fundamental things as it is written. Believing the Bible literally as it stands there. You know, the Lord God says, Thou shalt not covet and then you shalt not covet. Not believing that the law is being fulfilled or has been fulfilled. Not believing that we're standing under a New Testament, a New Covenant. If you read the New, you believe what stands there. You believe that Jesus said that He died for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. When you read the Old, you believe that you are guilty before God. Now, we can't read the Bible that way. That's not the miracle word of God. But listen to what it says. It says, every word you give me. And I like to say this because, and I like the way that the translators put it here in the message translation. It says, every word you give me. Not some of the words, not sometimes. You know, sometimes in church it's just miraculous. And you feel, oh man, this is so awesome. And I feel this power and this inspiration, I'm going to do something for God, and you feel that energy that comes into you, you know, um, and, and, and you say sometimes it's like that, but that's not the way God is. The Bible says, every word you give me is a miracle word. Now, if you don't experience that energy inside you, if you don't experience that power, that motivation that comes through the message of grace inside you, when you've listened to a message, it's either one or two things. You're not hearing what the man is saying. Or the man is not saying what you're supposed to be hearing. That's all. Amen. Now listen, listen to the heart that comes forth out of listening to a miracle word. Let's read, the, the, uh, let's read the, that verse again and we're going to the next verse. It says, Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? 
Break open your words. Let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. Mouth open and panting, I want your commandments more than anything. Turn my way. Look kindly on me as you always do to those who personally love you. Steady my steps with your word of promise so nothing malign gets the better of me. Man, isn't that awesome? This, this is just so, so powerful. What he says here, he says, every word you give me is a miracle word. He says, break open your words. Let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. So, what the writers actually say here is that the, the meaning behind the words is what is really encouraging him. And that is called the Word of God. Today we're going to preach the Word. We're not going to preach the Bible. We're going to preach the Word inside of the Bible. And this is what it says here. It says, break open your words. Let this, uh, the letter, the every little word that's written here. Now, just if you think I don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, listen to this. I believe the Bible, every word you see there, every one, when the King, when the King of Israel, every word contains the Word of God. Because as the psalm writer says here, break open your words so that ordinary people can understand its meaning. The meaning behind the words is called the Logos or the Word of God. The word Logos in the Greek means an understanding, a reasoning or a computation or the idea behind what he said. That is the word Logos. The Bible says in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Logos. Now, Logos is the meaning that God had behind everything He said. In the beginning, God had a certain idea. And that idea was in God, and that idea was with God. And that idea became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could see the idea that God has with man. Because so many times in the Old Testament when you read you think that God's idea is to kill people. And God's idea is to get you to try and live holy so that He can approve of you by what you do. And that's not the Word of God. The Word of God is called Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you want to read any word in the Bible, it needs to be Jesus. If it is not Jesus and the interpretation of, I mean, let me put it this way. The interpretation of every scripture is what Jesus would say and do about it. In the context of the New Testament with the purpose why He came. That's the correct interpretation of the Bible. I spoke to a man the other day. Man, that was just a nice guy to talk to. Uh, you know, when you speak to him, there's just such a power in the, in the conversation. And we spoke about Hebrews chapter 6. I'm not going to read it now. But Hebrews chapter 6 basically says, if you've fallen away once, it's impossible for you to be enlightened again. Now, and I explained to him what that scripture means. And um, then he said to me, yes, he, he hears what I say and he can see what, what I say there, but he still believes there's something deeper into this. I said to him, let's go to the final authority on scripture. And that is the manifested word of God. That, I mean, about, there's no two ways about it. What he said, that's the way it is. And I took him to the prodigal son. 
the, the loving father and the prodigal son that willingly fell away, never wanted to know anything. He joined himself to another nation, other people. He watched after pigs. He was completely a heathen. He renounced everything. He had. Then one day he came back to his father and his father took him back and restored him 100%. Now that to me is higher than any other scripture in the Bible. It's Jesus. It's His words. It's the correct interpretation of Scripture. Because He is the Logos of God. And this is what the psalm writer writes. He says, he says, break open your word. People don't understand. All the people don't see this thing. People don't see. But break open your word. Let the light shine out. Let the revelation come forth. Let ordinary people see the meaning. Amen. That's what happened. And I believe Jesus Christ came and did that. He broke open the Scriptures. The light shined forth. We saw His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And this Word of God was flooded with grace. It was flooded with truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to this. He says, uh, Mouth open and panting. I want your commandments more than anything. Now listen. This man speaks out of a revelation of who God is. Amen. If you can see the Word being broken open and just breaks open, you see grace, you see mercy, you see truth. You, like this man, say, all that I want to see, all that my desire is, is to just hear another word from you, another commandment from you, not another law, but another commandment, because the commandment of the Lord is, believe on me, for I bring salvation unto you, according to John. Hallelujah. Amen. So, what does the Word bring forth? The Word brings forth a desire to be with God. It brings forth a desire to read the Bible. It brings forth a desire to spend time with God. It brings forth a desire to, um, to, to I mean, to be, a, to, to be just be around God's things. It says, I wanted your commandments more than anything. Turn my way. Look kindly upon me. So, what he says is, by your Word, you even turn my way. By your word of grace. Amen. Not by the Bible. By the correct interpretation of the Bible. You'll find a desire for the word of God. By the correct interpretation of the Bible. You will find that your life overflows. By the correct interpretation of the Bible. You'll find. But you can't help but obey. Because it is as um, uh, uh, Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says. It's, He says, a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. How? By His miracle word that is so good that it will make a sinner change into an obedient person. Hallelujah. Now, um, (laughs) one of my friends, uh, for many years we didn't even speak to each other because we moved to other towns. He moved to Joburg, I moved to Cape Town. It was just this whole thing and and uh, eventually got hold of my material, and he phoned me the other day. He said, Bertie, I want ten sets of the fulfillment of the law. Now, there's ten messages in that. Now, that means it's a hundred messages. I want ten sets of that. Please send it to me. Do you know how many people don't know the message of grace? <laughs> yes, I do. Amen. Thank God. And, I, you know, when he said that, I knew he got the revelation because this was the prayer that was in his heart. This happened. He says, Lord, let your word break forth. He said, Baptist, I'm supporting your ministry. I want this word to go forth and go out. 
people need to hear this. And this is what the psalm writer wrote out of that revelation. He said, let your word break forth. Let light shine out. That ordinary people can understand it. So they can also say, this is a miracle word. How can I but obey? Amen. Just reading the Bible is not the miracle. Understanding the meaning behind it is the miracle word that will empower you. And that's why we worship God. Amen. The word for worship in the New Testament is, one of the words is the word proskuneo, which means to lick the hand of your master, or like a dog, licking the hand of your master. And when we lick the hand of God, what does that mean? That means, hand speaks of work, and tongue speaks of to speak, and what we do is we put His work on our tongue. Not our works, not what we must do for God, not our hungering, not our thirsting after God. We're not putting that on our mouth or in our, on our tongue. What we put in our tongue is His work. What was His work? He gave His Son so that we could become the righteousness of God. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's what God gave unto us. That is the life of God flowing in us. So, when you worship, listen to this words which is proskuneo and you will enjoy it. Enjoy the worship. What a friend I found Closer than a brother I have felt your touch More intimate
man, wasn't that worship awesome? You know, so many times when we worship, we experience such a presence of the Lord, and then people think it's because you've worshipped. No, it's because you've been meditating and thinking upon what God has done. You can experience that all the time as you just think of what God has done for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to get right into the Word of God today. Matthew chapter 4. In the previous, on the previous Sunday, we were talking about change and uh, not change, I mean, uh, uh, like almost spiritual warfare, being tempted and, and the identity challenge and how Jesus uh, was challenged in his identity. And that is what the whole of Christianity is about. And uh, let me put it this way that's the attack on Christianity, is to rob you from who you are in Jesus Christ and to get you, to get you into a works mentality. Let's go to Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and then he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him um, that uh, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus answered and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now what he said here was that he will not find his sonship in doing miracles. That's it. You will not find his sonship in eating of the law. Now, remember, if we just take a little bit of typology here, a stone speaks of the law. Okay? Jesus was tempted by Satan in saying, listen, number one, find your sonship in doing this miracle by providing for yourself. And don't let God be the one that provides for you. Just before this, Jesus was baptized. When he was baptized, the last verse in uh, chapter 3 verse 17 says, And lower voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was tempted after a time, after about say 40 or 50 days, after that he was very hungry and didn't look as if he was the son of God. I mean his flesh was screaming for food and drink. He was going through a very hard time. Then Satan came and said this, he said, listen, find your sonship in what you can do for yourself. Be a son of God by providing for yourself. So he said, if you are the son of God, take this stone and make it bread. And if you can take the stone and make it bread, then you know for sure that what God said when you, were, when you came out of the water is the truth. And that's the word tempt in, in, the, uh, um, in the Hebrew language. The picture value of the word tent literally means to support grace by works. Man supporting grace. You cannot support grace by your works. And that's it. God is gracious. He says that you are my son. You were born like that out of Mary. I made you my son. I declare you are my son. And now all of a sudden, you're not God's son anymore, but you are his son if you can do this. That's exactly what, what, what Satan said to Adam and Eve. He said to them, um, if you want to, you, you can be like God by knowing good and evil. And then Adam introduced the law between him and God. That's what happened. It's the same thing. And, but God made Adam the, just like him. But Satan said, you can be like him by Knowing good and evil. In the same way here, he comes with the exact same thing. And that's what the Bible says. We are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of the way he works. 
the way he works is by trying to get you out of your true identity. And um, it sounds so good, it sounds as if it is an identity message where he says, listen man, you are a son of God if you can just do this. It looks, man, it's so close to the truth. It's really got a, a show of wisdom. It looks wise in will worship. You know, I will do this thing, then I'll be like the son of God. No. We are children of God because God says so. Amen. Now, if we just look a little bit into typology, what Satan actually said to Jesus, now it didn't come to Jesus that way. He had to be very, very um, skilled in the word of righteousness, as I said in the previous two Sundays, in really seeing what Satan was busy with here and knowing that it was from Satan. He said, listen, this was Satan's words in typology. This stone, which is the law, make that your food. Turn the law into your food and not God's word into your food. Man, that is powerful. So many times that's exactly what happens in the lives of so many Christians. That's why they die. You must remember, this was tempting Jesus and if He would have done that, He would have sinned. He would have sinned. Now, there's no scripture in the Bible that even say, that says turning uh, stones into bread is sin. There's no scripture like that. Doing that miracle is not sin. Turning water into wine is not sin. It's not, not written anywhere. Even if, um, even if Satan would have said, let water run from this rock, and Jesus would have done that, it would have been sin. Let water run from this rock, and then you find your sonship in that. It would have been sin. Because Jesus lived from a certain mentality, from a certain perspective, and I believe that's what He came to bring to us, that we live from not trying to become sons of God, but that we are the sons of God, and um, and, and that we I mean, just live from that perspective. We don't try to do anything to be the sons of God. The difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was this. Jesus believed that He was the Son of God. The Pharisees wanted to become like the sons of God. And they didn't believe that they were the sons of God because when Jesus called Himself the Son of God, then they said, we're going to kill you for you make yourself equal with God. Because he called himself a son of God and then they said, we're going to kill you. He said, for what good work do you want to kill me? He said, not for the good works that you've done, but for you making yourself equal to God by calling yourself a son of God. Man, can you believe that? The power of saying that I'm a son of God puts you equal with God. Not that you are God, but that you are as righteous as what God is or you are as holy as what God is, or as powerful as what God is, because God placed Himself inside of you. And that was, that's God's word about you. That's the miracle word that we spoke about. There's a miracle word. How can I but obey? That's the miracle word of God. That you are my son. God says He's well pleased with you. When? When you got born again. You were born of God, you, just like Jesus was born of God. Was Jesus born of God? Of course. 
Was the seed that came into Mary of God or of Joseph? It was of God. Was Mary a virgin when she gave birth? Of course, she was a virgin. Why? Because God was the Father and supernaturally He created a, this, a, a sperm seed inside of that, the, the womb of Mary and um, she conceived. Hallelujah! And God was incarnated into human flesh. And what was so nice was all of a sudden God Himself was a representative of man. And man decided to walk by the law through Adam. Because Adam was also born of God. Okay, but he sinned. And then there was another God-man born, which was called Jesus, which was God incarnated into human flesh. And here, here, here was God setting things right for us in human flesh. God said, I'll take human flesh and I'll make human flesh do what I wanted to do in order for human flesh to be saved, to be redeemed from corruption, to be blessed, to be godly, to be holy, to be declared righteous. That's what Jesus did. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what He did. And, and, and um, that was the whole thing that God has placed there for us. And that's the reality about us. And when you are in Jesus, you've been set right with God by God. Amen. You cannot help but obey. That's the miracle word. I cannot help but obey. When I hear your word, I cannot help but obey. For your word already declares that I have already been obedient. I cannot even be disobedient. For you have already obeyed on my behalf. That's what Jesus does. I can't but obey. <laughs> That's the word of grace. You are already obedient. That's written in, in, in like man, this one guy sent me an SMS last night. And he said to me, Bertie, why are you preaching such a boring message? Um, you know, like just telling us we've got everything in Jesus. Don't, can't you preach anything else? But I still like you. He said, well, thank, thank God for liking that he likes me. Amen. Um, but when he said that, it felt like, man, you can, you can never use the same scripture again. But I thank God that the Bible is written down and God uses the same scripture over and over until eternity. I thank God that He'll use the same scripture over and over. Amen. And I will do that the same. And, and, and that is in Romans. I want to use the scripture right now again. Amen. And I will use it basically in every message that I preach. Romans 5.19 For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Under the word of Adam, under the word of the law, you couldn't help but disobey. Because through the disobedience of one, many were made sinners. But by the miracle word, Jesus. So by the, so by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. So he obeyed on my behalf under the miracle word. I'm declared obedient. I cannot but obey. Hallelujah. Because that word says, Jesus obeyed on your behalf. You are obedient. So how can I but obey? I, I am already declared Obedient, you have already obeyed. That's how I am declared righteous by the obedience of another man. Through the sin of one man, many were made, through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. In the same way, by the obedience of one, many are made righteous. So his obedience has been imputed unto me, and that is God's word about me. So, if Satan come now, and he, the way he will tempt us is by saying to us, 
obey this thing, then you are a son of God. Do this thing, then you... And that is a word from Satan. It can be a wonderful word. It can be out of the words of Jesus, man. You must not think negatively. Think right, then you're a son of God. No, 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 no. I know it's not good to think wrong things, but I'm not going to find my sonship in, in how I think today. I'm not going to do that. Because this physical body is not saved. Philippians, it says, we await the return of the Lord to with the redemption of our bodies, the salvation of our bodies, so that we can be uh, uh, resurrected into immortality. Amen. That's what we wait for. But this body yet is sinful flesh. It is not righteous. This flesh is not righteous now. We are waiting for the return of the Lord. We groan with creation according to Romans chapter 8. So I'm not going to base my sonship on what I do. And I'm never going to do it. Even if I have immortal flesh, I'm never going to do it. Because Adam with his immortal flesh brought forth death by saying, by what I do, I'm going to become. But why I say this is because I will make a mistake. And I'm not going to find my sonship in that. Jesus would have, you know, if Jesus couldn't, if Jesus said to the stone, listen, become bread, and it didn't happen. I mean, it would have been a useless exercise for Satan to come and say that. But he knew that he could get it right. The temptation was not... Um, uh, let's see if you're the Son of God, if you can do this. Jesus could do this. He can do more. He can, uh, out of stones, make people, man. He can take a stone into, turn a stone into a man. That's what John the Baptist says. He says, don't think that you're the ch- children of Abraham. God can make children of Abraham out of these stones. He can do that. It's possible for God to say to those stones, become human beings and whoa, a whole nation arises there. Man, that would be awesome to see. What a miracle. So don't think because you are of a right nation that you're something in the eyes of God. Because you're a Jew doesn't mean anything. If you're watching me today and you're a Jew, that the fact that you're a Jew, you know what that means to God? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because if that meant something to God, the whole Jewish nation will be wiped off the face of the earth. But God made a new nation. When the Jews rejected God, the Jewish people, they shouted, let His blood be upon us and upon our children. That's what they shouted. They said, but uh, uh, this blood is innocent blood. They said, well, let it be upon us and on our children. They shouted, let us be guilty for the murder of Jesus. They shouted, all of them. And and the, the, the leaders of the Jewish people did that. The leaders of the synagogue, they did that, representing all the people. The high priest was in that thing, representing all the people, making all of the Jews guilty before God. But I thank God, when he rose up out of the grave, he didn't rise up as a Jew. He stood up in newness of life, that there's no more Jew, no more Greek, no more of any of those, but just a new man, which is either in God, through Jesus, or not. That's what he did. So don't stand and say, well, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. You're making yourself guilty, man. And you're living in a lie. 
Thank God that there's no such a thing as a Jew anymore. The Bible says, who is a Jew but he that is circumcised in his heart. So if you want to be a Jew, Jew, you can receive Jesus Christ, become born again, and then you'll be a Jew. So the Gentiles that accept Jesus are Jews, and the Jews that don't accept Jesus are Gentiles. According to Romans 2, the last verse. Amen. Well, I'm just talking about identity a little bit. So, don't find what you have or or who you are in what you have and what you can do. And that that was a temptation that there was for Jesus. Eat of the law and let that be the food for man. Now, if Jesus did that, let me tell you, it would have been over forever. Everybody would have been going to hell for you will not qualify to stand in the presence of the Almighty God you will not qualify to be part of the kingdom of God, for you would not be fit for the kingdom of God. It's trying to put a round peg into a square hole. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. You can do whatever you like. It doesn't fit. It will never fit. It cannot work. You will not be fit for the kingdom of God, for you will be a sinner. You will be unrighteous. You will always be separate from God. You will run your own way. Um, The law would be the system. We would have continued as Adam uh, uh, did in the death of Adam. It would just have been a double death sentence. That would be. And Satan would rule on this planet and his through his law system, work system. That's how it would. But Jesus said, I'm not going to say stone law is bread. But I will live of the bread that comes out of the mouth of God. I will not live by this bread alone. I will, but I will live by what comes out of the mouth of God. And out of His mouth He spoke. He spoke and manifested Jesus and made us righteous. Amen. Then He went on um, and we talked about that. And I want to actually go on a little bit further today. Um, he said, It is also written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. When He said, Jump down this temple... Um, if you're the Son of God, that's what he said. He said unto them, If you be the Son of God, cast thyself down from the temple. For it's written, He shall give His angels charge concerning you, and their hand, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. What he actually, in typology, is saying here, if you look at that, is the angels will carry you, that you will not dash your foot against the law. That's what he was saying. But Satan was twisting that scripture that it looked as if you will make yourself righteous, but actually was twisting it so that you would dash your foot against the stone. Which is the law. So Jesus, by jumping down there, He would have dashed His foot against the law by saying, by proving God's protection, by manifesting the protection of God, I am a son of God. And then He said, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. He said, it is also written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And just look at this. Satan uses scripture, man. But Jesus uses the word. The correct interpretation of scripture. And he says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Tempt means to support grace by your work. Man supporting grace. Human beings supporting. How can you, human beings, support grace? Trying to hold up grace. You cannot. You are held up by the grace of God. Works supporting grace. Human flesh supporting grace. You cannot do that. You you cannot support the grace of God or carry the grace of God by your human flesh and by your efforts. 
It cannot happen. And that's, that's tempting God. He said, I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to try and, and, and the grace that I've received being a son of God support that by what I do right now if I jump here, down here or not. Amen. Now, let's go on to um, verse 17. Listen to Jesus and how He functioned. He continued to function out of that basis. After he, after he, now, we, we're not only talking about being tempted today. Temptation comes by Satan challenging your identity. Now, okay, now we're finished with the challenge of the identity. Now about normal life. How do we live? How do we speak? Just how do we live? Listen to Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, so many times we see that as, Repent from your sins, you sinner, because the kingdom of God is at hand and you're going to be all condemned to hell. Man, that's not it. That's not what stands here. That word repent means change your mind. You see, what Jesus actually said, He says, Listen, you can start to think differently now because God's way of doing things is right here now. You were busy with Satan's way of doing things. You were busy with Adam's way of doing things and Adam's way of thinking. You can change the way you think now because God's kingdom, His rulership is now at hand or here. Because of the sin of Adam, people thought, their thought patterns were like forged into a certain pattern. They had to think, I must do this and I must do this to be pleasing to God. I must do this to be pleasing to God. Jesus said, hey, guys, you can change the way you think now. There's a different kingdom now. There's a different king, a different ruler. You're not under the law rulership anymore. You're under my rulership. There's a different king. There's a different kingdom. It's at hand. And this is what it says in, in, in um, Hebrews chapter 7. It also speaks of the changing of the priesthood. Let me find it. Listen to this. Verse 11 says, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not um, be called after the order of Aaron? Let me just keep this place here in Matthew. I want to talk about this. This is going to bless you. He said, listen, Jesus came and He lived out of this perspective. He said, people listen to me. You can now change your mind. For the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. And change your mind means metanoia, think differently. Okay? Change your mind. Repent. That's what it is. Okay? Now verse 14, 11, it says... If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. Jesus basically said this. If there was perfection by the law and by the Old Testament way of doing things, why would there be any need for another priest? Which was Jesus. He says, for the priesthood being changed. He says, there's no perfection under the law. There's no perfection under thinking, I must become like God. I must try to be, I live holy. I must try. There's no perfection amongst that. But there's perfection in what Jesus has done for you upon the cross. Listen to this. He says, for, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Amen. 
the Old Testament said, you must change, you must change, you must change. The New Testament said, Jesus changes the rules. And He changes you. The change of priesthood, a change of law. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that is so, so good. So what Jesus actually said is, listen guys, you can start to think differently now, for there, the kingdom of God is now coming into rulership on this planet, and not the kingdom of the law and the kingdom of Satan. You're not under the kingdom and the rulership and dictatorship of Satan's thought pattern. You can change your thought pattern to the thought pattern of grace now, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and now there's a change of law. You don't work the way you've worked. There's another law. The law of life in Christ Jesus. And just look at Jesus functioning out of that dimension. In His first words of preaching, then He said, listen to verse 19, this is so powerful, 18, And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishers. And He said unto them, Follow Me. Now listen to this. Jesus knowing He's the Son of God. Jesus knowing what He's going to do. Knowing He's bringing righteousness. Knowing that He is the ruler of this new kingdom. Now listen to this. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Your word is a miracle word. How can I but obey? Isn't that awesome? The other, another scripture. You will give me a new heart and you will cause me to walk in your ways. Jesus walking with that mentality. I am the one that will work in them. They're not going to... You know, in, under the law it would have been obey my commandments and be fishers of men. Under the New Testament it's not like that. It says follow me just the way you are. He never said to them to change. He never told them to become fishers of men. He never told them to... to uh, 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 Say that, man, I'm a fisher of men now. He just said, listen, follow me. Follow me. When he said, follow me, there was so much power in that word that it already, when they heard it, started to recreate them and change their will. That the Bible says, listen to this, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. He said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. This is what he says. He says, follow me and who I am will bring forth a change in you. He didn't say, follow me and become fishers of men now. That's not what he said. He just said, just follow me. Follow after grace. Follow after a different way of thinking. Follow after the kingdom that says, you don't become but you are. That is Jesus. He says, follow after me. What is Jesus? He is the Word. He is grace and truth. Follow after the Word, after grace and truth. Amen. And when Jesus said that, there was so much power that it changed their will. I don't want to work here anymore. I'm following Jesus. But you must realize that that Peter still owned his boats. He still worked with his father. He still had that business because when he denied the Lord, he could still still go back to it. It, it. It wasn't as if he sold everything was still there. And uh, he still had that boat. When Jesus preached, he stood in the boat of Peter, you know, and they preached. And he preached out of Peter's boat. So it was not as if Peter left his whole business, but right there, he left everything and followed after Jesus. That's what happened, because that word had so much power. And then Jesus changed them into becoming fishes of men. How does this work with identity? 
Jesus lived out of the thing, listen, follow me, I will make you. He lived out of who He was. Because I believe the job description of Jesus was, from the Father, was Jesus go and change the world. He came, He changed the priesthood, He changed the law, He changed what God thinks about you, He changed everything in like this, He changed it all. Amen. Jesus never spoke to Peter about his sin. He was a fisherman. Now, I've, I've been amongst fishermen. They swear and cuss. They flip drunk all the time. They're sinners, man. They're rough people. Most fishermen are like that. Oh, there are some Christians amongst them, but I'm talking about the majority. They're just like that. It's the way it is. They, uh, in Afrikaans, we say, a fluxus matruus. He swears like somebody that is on the sea all the time. You know, those fisher, fishermen and and I don't know what the English word for Matruas is. Sailors. Right. Um, Jesus said, He never spoke to him about his son, never spoke to him about a drinking problem, never spoke to him about leaving his son. Nothing like that. He said, follow me and I'll make you. Follow after the word of grace and you'll find a change in your life. That's what Jesus said. And then Jesus came. Just, let's just listen. And we're going to end off with this. On um, No, there's one scripture more of this. Um, how Jesus preached. All of this was based out of who he was and the New Testament thought pattern. And, and he lived out of that. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's got this whole mentality. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, not rich in themselves. I can do it by my own power. But poor in spirit, saying, I am too weak to be righteous by my works. Blessed are they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you can say, I cannot make it, but He's made it on my behalf. You are poor in spirit. Look at Jesus' teaching. Everything functions from that foundation. Everything He says, everything He does, when He was tempted, He functioned out of that basis. When He uh, talked to people and called them into the kingdom, He functioned out of the basis of grace. When He taught people on the Sermon on the Mount, He Preach that. The next one. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn under this law. Saying, oh man, I need something better. I need something that can save me. I'm not happy under this. I'm not blessed with this law thing. It breaks me, man. I don't want to be part of this. I'm waiting for the Messiah. Those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. By the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells you about everything you freely received in Christ. Amen. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Lowly in heart. I'm humble. Let's use the word humble. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. To be humble is to agree with God. A great example of being humble was when Jesus was tempted. Everything said, you're not a son of God. Prove that you're the son of God. He just humbled himself and said, if God said, I'm a son, I'm a son. So he said, the people that can say that, that can say, I am what God says I am, they shall inherit the earth and just humble themselves before what God says. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Under the Old Testament, if you were hungering after righteousness, if you didn't say, well, I am righteous, but I want to be made righteous by somebody making me righteous, it says, you shall be filled. Even today, if you're under the law, please hunger after righteousness so that you can get to the message of grace so that you can be filled. If you're under the message of the law, said, I'm still hungering for righteousness. I'm not filled. 
you will get to Jesus. Amen. And once you've received Jesus, you will be made the righteousness of God. And then you will not hunger after righteousness anymore, but you will be filled with righteousness. Jesus preaching out of that perspective. Amen. And when you, when you understand that perspective, then only do you understand the teachings of Jesus. Before that, you can't understand the teachings of Jesus. You will understand this. You will say, well, I need to be poor in spirit now. I need to, be, I need to moan all the time. I have to be humble. And I have to seek, I have to spend time in the Bible. I have to be merciful. I have to be pure in heart. I have to, you know, you read it so wrong. And that's what happens so many times. Because people don't have, preachers hasn't had, and uh, normal people, they haven't had the mentality of Jesus saying that I am a son of God. I am in in the righteousness of God. I am not going to prove who I am by what I do. Uh, I will do what I do and that will be a fruit of who I am. I'm not going to put works first and then my sonship. I am a son and that's it. I'm, I find my identity in what Jesus has given me and what He told, said about me and all of that. People don't have that mentality and then they read the Bible and all they know is the name of Jesus and then put the law, their mindset under the name of Jesus and that's why people don't understand the Word of God. That's why this Word is not a miracle Word to many people but still a law bringing death and unrighteousness, frustration and sickness and disease to people's lives and they just feel as miserable as ever. They've they've just used a little bit more willpower. Man, that's why. But when you understand grace, When you understand you are a son of God, when you understand what He has freely given unto you, then you understand the Scriptures, you understand the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus taught from this perspective of, I am a son of God, I am the one that will bring salvation to people. When Jesus talked like that, He thought that, He said, follow me and I will make you. Not force you, by what I am and who I am, I will cause you to be A fisher of men. Amen. You receive the Holy Spirit and it will change your being into witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That's what it says. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus said, listen, those guys who are merciful, they'll easily understand this mercy message. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Your belief system, if it's pure, if it's not a law-based but a grace-based, you will see God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you are for peace, you shall be called the children of God because you understand the message of peace so easily. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, prophesying now, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now listen, I also believe that the merciful here, that it speaks of, also speaks prophetically, after receiving the Lord, for we are merciful, for we've received this mercy. It says here, Blessed are the pure in heart, for you, your heart has been washed by the blood of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for you've already received the peace of God. Now you are in peace. That's the attributes of being in peace. Blessed are they, they, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Not for doing things right. For preaching this message of righteousness. That's for righteousness sake. Listen. Righteousness is what Jesus did for us. That's righteousness. Amen. That's what Jesus did for us. That's righteousness. That's how righteousness comes to this earth. 
if you preach the law, you shall live right, you shall... That's not righteousness, man. That's sin. That is not a preacher of righteousness. That's a sin preacher. That is somebody who, who brings forth sin in the world because you bring forth a message of death. But if you preach Jesus, then you bring righteousness into the world. And, and you can be persecuted for righteousness. Jesus lived out of who He was in the same way with, um, with Paul. He lived out of who He was. He preached out of who He was. And we can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And that's the way I think we should handle every situation and think in this life. Out of who we are in Jesus Christ. Because that's reality. Amen. Let me just find that scripture now. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, it says, verse 14, And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His own power. Now you not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. So what do you... Paul never said, this is a sin, you better get right. No, he says, listen, don't you know who you are? That's what he said. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that you're a body? You're the body of, the, of Christ. But you will still be raised up into the likeness of His body, but you're already His body. Will you take His body and make it part of a harlot? Look at Paul's thought pattern when it comes to living a holy life. There's much more energy in that to obey than just, you're not allowed to commit adultery. Knowing that I am, this body is the body of Christ. Will I take my body and make it part of a harlot? Taking the, it's like Jesus having sex with a harlot. No ways. I'm not doing that. Amen. Look at his thought pattern. He thinks, he reasons out of who he is. What? Know you not that he which joined to a harlot is, is one body, for two says, um, says he shall be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He says, don't you know that you are joined to the Lord and you are one spirit? Flee fornication, every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not of your own, not your own, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. You see the whole thing, and now he's talking to people that's already busy with this sin. They're already busy with this sin. He calls them the temple of God. He calls them the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. People that are busy with fornication. He calls them the temple of God. He says, listen, you are busy with these things. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that you are bought with a price? Don't you know how precious you are? Don't you know that you are one with God? And if you make yourself one with a harlot, that you are one with that woman? And you are joining God and the holiness of God and the temple of God with sin? Or with a harlot? Don't you know that? Let's read it again. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? You are the members of Christ. 
Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them a member of an harlot? God forbid. So the reason why we are not in fornication is because of a revelation of who we are in Christ and the miracle word working in us, causing us to live holy. Paul never quoted the Ten Commandments here. Never. He talked about fornication, man. And he never quoted Exodus 20. But he quoted the finished work of the Lord. He quoted what Jesus done for us. It's the same with Jesus. When he stood at the place of sin, he quoted the word of God in uh, where God spoke and said, This is my beloved son. That's what was in his mind. The word of God. You are my son. And that miracle word kept him away from doing and standing in the law. This is, this is exactly what Paul said here. Let's read it. What? Know you not that he was joined to an harlot is one body? For the two says he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He says, don't you know this? Don't you know how valuable you are? Don't you know who you are? You are one spirit. Listen, listen to this. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The spirit of God and your spirit is one. Like Jesus and the Father is one. Like the Father and the Spirit is one. You are one with God. You are part of God. That's what he says. He says, don't you know this? For Paul clearly says that the manifestation of their deeds it was an ignorance of a true revelation of who they were. And who they were, and a revelation of that, and walking in knowledge of that will, will alter your behavior. That will change you. Amen. The focus was not on the change when they sinned. The focus was on knowing something. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, is without the body but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. So he said, listen, know this thing and then go away from that thing because of what you know. Because you're going to make God one with a harlot. What? Know you not that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? I don't belong to myself. I'm a property of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm treated, when it comes to finances, I belong to God. Like my car, I wash my car. In the same way, God keeps me clean. God keeps me righteous. He cares for me. He makes sure that I've got food. He makes sure that I'm cared for. He makes sure it goes well with me. All of that, for I don't belong to myself. That is now just a good example of taking this mentality of who you are and applying it to finances. Amen. Hallelujah. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. <laughs> Look at the mentality. Worth is connected to deeds. Not law connected to deeds. And you better do, otherwise you're going to be punished. Completely different thing. Amen, man. That's what I had upon my heart for you for today. Amen. Next Sunday we'll be live again. And um, it will just be 
you will just experience so much peace as you think of this in this work. Next week, we're gonna, it's going to be live. We're going to have communion next week. We've moved it from this week to next week. So, just take note. We're going to have communion next week in our live service. It's going to bless you this week. Meditate upon this. This is, message is in the archive already. You can go and look at it. It will be uploaded tomorrow. It will be activated um, uh, just looking, let people listen to this. This will change your life forevermore. Thank you. You've joined Web Church today. God loves you. God cares for you. Let us know what this means to you. Write us a letter that we can put it in our testimonies. If you've got any questions, please write it. We need some questions under questions and answers. Don't uh, ask any questions. We want to update that thing. I see people, maybe I preach too well that they understand everything from the beginning. But if you've got a question, please write that question to us. Uh, ask it. We want to answer you and put it under questions and answers on our website. It will bless others as well. Enjoy this song, the song of blessing that we play out with. God bless you and God loves you.